everybody, this is David, a.k.a. Macintosh. And I'm Diana, a.k.a. Mod, and welcome to another episode of Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. Today we are continuing our sports films with 1992's The Cutting Edge. A temperamental figure skater and a former hockey player try to win Olympic gold as a figure skating pairs team. I love this movie so much. But it's more fun to play with our friends. It is. Particularly our sports friends. So today we have a very special guest. You know her as one half of Unabashedly Obsessed. And as Kat, the sports one on Kids on Bikes, it's Erin. Hello. Hi, Erin. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is weirdly appropriate that I'm on the hockey movie episode. We didn't like stack the deck that way it just kind of happened and i love it it did it just completely happened also was this movie really 1992 it was 92 i totally thought it was 86 okay well the movie starts in 88 at the 88 calgary olympics okay well (laughs) i was wrong and then it jumps to the next set of olympics oh man i did not realize that this was a 90s movie i thought it was Firmly set in the mid-80s. As Diana pointed out, it is the rich people's version of 1992, which was still kind of 1987. That's true. That is very true. The dresses really give it away in those party scenes. They were... That and those bangs. Yeah. They were... uh, Those dresses were... There were definitely some that were straight out of the 80s. Oh, between the taffeta and the puff sleeves? Yeah. Straight up 80s. I know. Right. So, Erin, were you into ice skating at all when you were young? I took ice skating lessons for six weeks, got mad that I could not do a triple axle at the end of it, and quit. (laughs) Which... That sounds about right. Which is uh, kind of my aesthetic. I I start a thing, get extremely frustrated and disappointed when I'm not immediately, like, pro-level at it. And then I decide that I'm never going to be pro level, so what's even the point? And I quit. I respect that. It's What's the point wasting your time? Exactly. It's not the best aesthetic to have, but it's mine, and I've learned to embrace it. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've always liked watching figure skating. Like that was, figure skating was like the one winter Olympic sport that my whole family would like sit down and watch. So, so I'm assuming you were glued to the television during 94. Probably, yeah. That That is the Tanya Hard- Harding Kerrigan year. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't remember, like, I remember being aware of that case and everything. I don't remember anything specific about the routines themselves. And it might be because we watched so much televised figure skating that it kind of all, and I mean, I was like 11 in 94, so it all blurred together. I remember all of the costumes and that's because there was just constant footage over and over and over again. Well, I, for one, don't remember any of this because my figure skating knowledge didn't come around until four years later with Nancy Kwan. Michelle Kwan? Mean Michelle Kwan? Yeah. yeah. You Good should be embarrassed. embarrassed. You should be right embarrassed. Now. I'm very embarrassed. You got good. Regardless, Michelle Kwan was the first Olympics, I, the first Winter Olympics I was really enthralled for. I don't even really remember Atlanta that well. So it was that really was 2000, right? I was 96. Ah. 2000 was Athens. Oh yeah. 
98. I don't always pay attention. And 98 was Nagano. So that would have been the first one that I was really watching was when Michelle Kwan took everybody by storm. Was that after Tara Lipinski or before? Before. That was before. Lipinski was like. Later. She was right after. 2006 or something like that. They overlapped a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. uh, David, why have you never seen this movie? (laughs) Why? I don't know because you own it. I know. And you never forced me to sit and watch it. Yeah. Now what? What? So explain yourself. Okay, I saw this movie in the theater with my dad. Oh, wow. This was one of like our daddy-daughter dates. And I remember distinctly after it was over, he goes, that one wasn't too bad. Aw. So he enjoyed it because I made him see a lot of really crappy movies. I believe that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think most of, us, most of us dragged our parents to pretty crappy movies when we were kids. Uh, I made him see The Little Mermaid like three times in the theater. And I guarantee you, he would have not been a fan of that one. I think he napped. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I, look, my my grandfather slept through Star Wars, so you know he'll sleep through anything. Though. It's one of the best stories ever. What's uh, that? What's that dog doing up there? <laughs> Chewbacca. Yep, is a dog, according to your grandfather. Oh, it's just funny. I have never uh, watched but, a Star Wars all the way through. So, but I do know that Chewbacca is not a dog. Correct. Correct. He is called a Wookiee. So I have that going for me. I actually, I, I, I lie when I say I haven't seen one all the way through. I have seen Return of the Jedi all the way through, but I was high okay. on painkillers after dental surgery. That sounds like so much fun. I remember Jabba the Hutt, and I remember oh, ice cream, because I was eating it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I know. That's all I can tell you about Return of the Jedi, is Jabba the Hutt was there, and I ate some ice cream. That's a really unfortunate combination. Or yeah. is it? Well, it, no, it, it is. It is. Because he's blobby and it can look like ice cream. That's gross. Ew. Okay, so this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My husband was appalled um, that I had not seen this movie. I watched I watched it today while he had the kids at softball practice. And he came home and I was like, yeah, so I watched The Cutting Edge. It was pretty good. He's like, but wait, what do you mean it was pretty good? Have you not seen it? And I said, no, I've never seen it. And he said, how can you not have seen this movie? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, God. I feel this is a common refrain. I think there is a group of people who have seen this movie and love it, and a group of people who are like, wait, what is this movie? I've never heard of this. It's so good. Okay, I am notoriously difficult. I rarely come out of a theater and be like, oh, my God, that was the best movie ever. That was so fun. David is the same, but he's usually a little bit more forgiving. However, when he really likes something, he's very reserved with that. <laughs> and we're watching this movie last night. And like halfway through, he's like, why have you never made me watch this? This movie is great. He's like bouncing up and down. And I am just like, oh, I win. I win yeah. everything. You do well, win. Hold your horses on that just a little. But I do. I win everything. Not as much as I win for the apartment. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Well, oh, God. Whatever. I made Diana watch a movie and she gave it a perfect score. Oh. <sighs> I'm never going to let you live that down. No, you won't. Uh, I'll get, I'll get, it'll be, it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll do, now, does that mean that David is going to intentionally not give movies perfect scores just so that he can Probably. keep his Probably. imaginary trophy? He's vindictive that way. No, 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 no. If, if this, if this movie was worth a, per, worth a perfect score, I'd give it a perfect score. Well, that's it's good. It's nice to know score. that you're, even I know that. It's nice to know that you're honest. No, 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 no. We, we, we have to have integrity in this rating system <laughs> that is come up with on the spot for every episode. <laughs> 
okay, I know I really like D.B. Sweeney. And David pointed out that this was before I met Paul Rudd, who is my lifelong love. And they have a very similar quality in that they do. do a lot of work with their face. They do. They're very reactionary and charming, a little insulting, but precious. Yeah. They're like in the same vein. D.B. Sweeney is a little bit more gruff, but it's the same feeling. And they both still have that kind of like baby face look without being like they have like the I mean, it's baby face, but it's not like they have a little boyishness to them. Yeah. Yeah. But they're still they're still men. They're still men. But they've got yeah. that, that the boyish quality. Yeah, that so sense of mischief. So I had to look up DB Sweeney because I, I borrowed the DVD of The Cutting Edge from James, my co-host for Unabashedly Obsessed James. And when he brought it over yesterday, he was like, Yeah, I don't he's like, this is the only thing I've ever seen DB Sweeney in. I don't know if he's even done anything else. And I was like, that can't be right. You can't be in a movie like The Cutting Edge that everybody knows, and that's the only thing you've ever done. And so I looked him he's up. He's done a lot. Yeah, he has an ex- he's had a very long career. He has been in, I think his IMDb credits are like 103 different things, and most of them do seem to be like a handful of episodes of every show imaginable. Oh yeah, he's he's had a lot of guest spots on television. Yeah, like he was on an episode of House, he was on an episode of Castle, he was on an episode of all the CSIs and probably all the Law and Orders. Well, ev- everyone has been on those. I know. I know. That's it's, true. It's part of the training ground for actors. Exactly. But he did it after he starred in The Cutting Edge. Well, right before The Cutting Edge, he was in Eight Men Out, which is the movie about the baseball players. He played Shoeless Joe Jackson. Okay. Uh, he was in Lonesome Dove, mm-hmm. that little miniseries, which was a big deal. And then something called Blue Desert, which I think was in a, like an indie film. And Memphis freaking Bell. I was going to say, he was in Memphis Bell, which I haven't seen, but my dad really loves that movie. My dad likes airplanes. That is a, it is a great airplane movie and a great kind of anti-Top Gun airplane movie. Oh, interesting. Okay. Recently, he was on the, he was on Two and a Half Men. Uh-huh. He was on something called Ice. That was a television show. Plus, apparently, he was in Sharp Objects. Yes, that was the thing that I... He was? Yeah, he plays like like a dad. Dad Keen is his credit. (gasps) Yeah. I haven't seen that. I just watched that and I didn't realize it. Shit! Well, now you have to watch it again. I do. I I mean, I have to. That was amazing. Sharp Objects is awesome. It'll depress you, but in a cathartic way. That it's very good. I mean, it's only eight episodes, so it's very digestible. That's awesome. I can I can do that. All right. Well, since we're already talking about the cast, let's go ahead and go straight to Moira Kelly, who plays Kate Mosley. Apparently, she was on the West Wing. <laughs> she was. She was one of the staffers. I believe she dated Josh Lyman's character. It's been a while, but that sounds about right. I haven't seen all of the West Wing, but I have seen episodes here and there. And I saw one recently. I walked into the room when Kevin was watching it. And it was like the first, like, I think it may have actually been the pilot episode. She like drives her car up on the sidewalk and she's driving around like a bat out of hell. Yeah. And so, and I I hadn't put two and two together until James mentioned, he was like, yeah, I think she was on like the West Wing or something. I was like, oh, she was that really annoying chick that I didn't like. (laughs) And then she was also the voice of Nala in The Lion King. Wait, what? She's the voice of Nala, not the singing voice, but she is the voice of Nala. Kid Nala or grown-up Nala? Grown-up Nala. Really? Yep. 
I haven't seen The Lion King since probably high school, so I'm due for a rewatch on that. If Because she's got a really kind of easily identifiable voice. She's got a very specific voice, which is one of the things I love about her. But yeah, she was Nala, and she was one of the moms on One Tree Hill. But this movie was like her second credit ever. Her first movie was a movie called The Boy Who Cried Bitch. Oh, that sounds like an and then she, Oscar winner. Yeah. I love her in this. She's so... Her and D.B. Sweeney are the best foils for each other. They really are. They're so well well matched. See, I had an interesting time with this because enemies to lovers is a very tropey trope that is very, very hard to do well. And I think that The Cutting Edge mostly accomplished it. I would have liked to have seen a little more softness from her. I feel like she kind of did like sort of a hard 180 that I would have liked and and then went back to being bitchy and I would have liked a little more softness out of her. I feel like we're missing a scene where they're really enjoying training together. Yeah. Because we see we see all the fighting and that's fine and they both are just the type of people who enjoy getting a rise out of the other one exactly and kate's definitely always going to be bitchy high maintenance girl that's not changing no matter who she's dating but yeah we should have seen the chemistry work that wasn't in the competition because we see that and then we go straight to she's engaged and then they break up and now she's hitting on him yeah which so she in the scene where they were trying to decide on the music for the competition she was wearing her engagement ring. And then like two scenes later, they're like, oh, by the way, we're engaged. And I'm like, yeah, you've been wearing that ring for like the past 10 minutes of this movie. Why are you acting like everybody? Why is everybody surprised? You've been wearing this ring. But whatever. That was maybe that's maybe that was more of a me thing. Yeah, I would have liked a little more of them enjoying getting a rise out of the other one in a way where they both knew and we're playing along. Yes. Because, like, you knew it was happening when they were playing hockey. Right. But then that got out of hand. Well, and she was still being bitchy at that point. I wanted some more scenes of her kind of leaning into the friendship. I feel like we got a lot more of Doug leaning into the friendship and, you know, kind of just enjoying goofing around with her. And we didn't get much of that goofiness from her, which I would have liked to have seen. She needed to realize, I mean, maybe this comes in with the writing, but she, she needed to realize way sooner the problem here. Like, we, it takes a full hour before we see him watching the tapes, them getting to Lillehammer, and that's when we do the big reveal that maybe her heart isn't in this anymore, mm. and she's the actual reason this has all been screwing up. That reveal needed to come way sooner in the movie in order to justify a lot of this buildup that comes on. I mean, it it kind of did because it touched on, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Doug said something about, does she even like skating? Yeah, he said it to, I think her dad. Yeah. I think it was during that party. That's. I feel like that's when it, cause he's trying to figure out like you skate like you don't skate like you love it. I will say one of the things I do really love about this movie, because we've had some problems in the past, is that they start the movie and they get to the point. We meet our characters. We know what the problem is. We get to it. So they don't waste time. But they're, they're, we were missing that sweetness, some of that other side of their friendship we should have seen, because then that would have made the 
I'm in love with you realization more believable. Because on his side, it you feel you feel it. Yeah, you really do. You you feel him start to fall for her, even as you're sitting there going, "Why are you falling for her? She's kind of awful." Because <laughs> she is his equal, she will give back to him as good as he does. Exactly. Which you know has explained a lot of my past relationships <laughs> a lot, considering how much I enjoyed this. Yeah. Wait, what does that say about me? Uh, let's not pull that thread too much. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, after Moira Kelly, we get Roy Dotris, who's uh, Anton Pachenko, who's their coach. He creates the Pachenko move that was amazing and all swirly, throwy, the girl. And we never really get to see it in all of its glory. They intersperse it with shots of the audience, and I'm like, just zoom out and let me see this amazing move. Yeah, that would have that would have been nice to actually see the full thing, but I kind of get why. I didn't yeah, <laughs> I think it maybe is a move that you can't actually physically do on this earth, and so they couldn't show it to us. And that's okay. It's just, it's a mythical thing. For this being a low budget movie, they do a pretty damn decent job of hiding what they can and can't get on camera. Well, okay, we know that they are not doing all their skating, obviously. But one of the things that caught me when we were watching it last night was like, they did a pretty good job filming the actual actors on the ice in motion. Yeah. And they matched it pretty well. I mean, I know in the wide shots, those are professionals, but I believe it. It's because they hard cut like crazy. That ha- it, it honestly has nothing to do with the cinematographer and everything to do with the editor. No. The editor of this movie elevates it to a much higher level than it could be because they cut in exactly the right spots to uh, to shaky edit it across that uh, that you never really know what's going on because everything's still moving. But they also got a ton of footage with the actual actors on ice in the correct positions moving. Yep. So they had them on dollies and everything. And I love that because that's what it makes it seamless. If we just see them standing on ice and then a motion, we don't believe it, but we see them going into the the positions and whatnot. And so the they got all the appropriate coverage and that made it all work. They I know that DB Sweeney and Moira Kelly went to like a skate camp. Yes, neither of them knew how to skate before this. Which is bonkers to me. No, I love it because they cast them based on their acting ability first. Which is great, but you'd think that, like, it, it just, it blows my mind that they were like, okay, we are going to do a movie about Olympic skaters. And they weren't like, we need to find somebody who can act and skate without having to be trained. Well, they did do three months of ice skating camp, so... I believe them when they, when we see them. Like they do very good, especially Kate. I mean, hockey's pretty is relatively easy to fake. If you can stand upright and move, you can you can pass. She had a lot more work, especially with her toe pick. Like she had to be able to do some of those movements. Toe pick. Which actually, this made me sad. So she was the original person cast as Kit in a league of their own. The role that oh really. That, was eventually was eventually done by Lori Petty. She was cast in that movie, but she hurt her ankle in this film and had to drop out of that one. That would have been a very different movie. I know. I honest I love Lori Petty. I think I'm okay with the the way it changed because Lori Petty was so good. But anyways, we were talking about Ray Dotrice. He has been on eight bajillion thousand 
things of television. Really? Uh, he had a big long stint on Treasure Island. He was in Amadeus. He's in my very favorite episode of Fairy Tale Theater, The Twelve Dancing Princesses. He plays the king. I I just was explaining to James what Fairy Tale Theater is and used Twelve Dancing. He didn't know. We, no, he'd never heard of it before. <gasps> we were talking about Twelve Dancing Princesses and The Little Mermaid. That is so up his alley. I know. I couldn't believe that he'd never heard of it before. I got the Twelve Dancing Princesses from the library recently and tried to show it to my kids and they were like, no, thank you. This is old. But- <gasps> Well, my yeah, because it's really boring. It's amazing. No, it's so good. No, I, I but love here, it. Okay, I I gotta say this in defense of kids. All right. Okay. There is so much production value put into children's television now that trying to watch that extremely low budget HBO production. Oh sure. Is just impossible. Oh no, I I don't blame them for not wanting to watch it. <laughs> I get it. That specific show for kids just does not work on I, any level. It didn't like age for well. me, I was watching it going, "Wow, this is boring." The only way you could make it work was like when you had Robin Williams, who can literally just shine through whatever. Yeah. He was also on the TV show Beauty and the Beast with uh ron perlman okay he was in picket fences that television show and then he was recently on game of thrones oh i could have sworn this guy was actually russian i thought so too he did a really good job it wasn't just the accent and i think he probably did this it's the way he dropped certain words out of his sentences mm-hmm. oh yeah like helping verbs like he would drop helping verbs and articles and certain things at certain places that made it sound authentic. Yeah, he did it in a way that made it sound authentic instead of making it sound like some American person wrote a foreign character. Right. Correct. Or th- he's just slapped an accent over whatever writing there right. is. He drops the words at just the right spots so that he sounds like a Russian coach who's lived here his whole life, but still doesn't command that entire lexicon yeah yeah he was really good i really liked him i liked when he stood finally stood up to kate a little bit he's like this is the end of the road this is it i like he you need a partner you have no career you guys gotta work together and figure it out like just make it happen i liked that i wish he hadn't uh protected her in the whole tape thing i wish he had been the one being like you need to own up to this because i know it was you because I know he wasn't her coach during that period of time, but he clearly knew. I don't think he does, though. He I don't does. think any of them do. Because when when Doug brings it up, he just you can see his face gets very like quiet. I'm not I'm not a part of this fight. I'm not a part of it. Well, and you know, I mean, if he was willing to coach her, mm-hmm. he would not have gone into coaching her after that debacle at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Without having watched that tape over and over again to see what the problem was. Like, he 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 was a good enough coach. He would have done his homework. I must have suspended myself so much by that point that I bought into it. <laughs> like, I have, I have very little to say about this movie in, in some respects because I kind of just washed into it. I didn't really care so much about problems. I've, I've literally, it's been a really long time since we've, been at home watching a movie and i can just see david's completely bought in but yeah he was like totally into this and i was getting all giddy because i was like david likes this movie and i find this hilarious who is the writer uh tony gilroy is that a name i should recognize uh well you'll probably recognize his movie this was his first writing credit but then he went on to do devil's advocate armageddon 
uh, Born Identity. He did Identity, Supremacy, Ultimatum, and Legacy. Michael Clayton. And then he also wrote Rogue One. Okay. For a first writing credit? This is amazing. This is amazing for a first writing credit. The guy wrote a straight up taught rom-com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That also involved sports. And figure skating and hockey. We get a decent amount of hockey. Like, this this is, you make a good point. This is a solid rom-com. I mean, there are a lot of rom-coms out there that are just as well-known, if not better known, that have much thinner plots and much less believable relationships. Absolutely. Putting a critical eye to this movie not- does not necessarily diminish the romantic story. Yeah. There's sure. a little bit of timing problems, and I think that's because they are packing as much as they can in because it goes one hour 40 and they were aiming for one hour 30 i guarantee it yeah they just had a whole lot of story to get through but i mean they had to show us all the skating yeah they they had a lot of story and i think that they sacrificed some story to fit in more skating montages i really like all the training montages and the music the music is so fun bad but fun okay the music I is poked the band. awful. I did not because even notice the music. I guarantee you they could not pay to license actual freaking sure. music. Sure. So they made up all of this horrible, horrible third-rate remakes of CNC Music Factory songs. But I enjoy it. I don't know why. <laughs> because I'm in love with D.B. Sweeney and I have a problem. Like, if there's one thing I would criticize the movie for, it is that at times the production value makes it feel like a TV movie more than a movie. Yeah, I can see that. And I don't know, it overcomes that hurdle, Mm -hmm. but it definitely is cheaply produced. That, they used, they made that money stretch. They did. I'm I'm well, well impressed with that. What takes you out of this movie at times is the poor production value and the bad non-licensing of music. I don't agree. Pour a little bit extra into had, it. Had I been watching it at the time, I might have agreed with you, but watching it for, I guess, the first time maybe tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Your first intentional Yeah, time? I was watching it and I was like, and also thinking that it was made in the 80s. I was just like, yep, that's some, some 80s production value. Like it didn't take me out of it at all because it was exactly what I, what I expected of it. I will say I enjoyed the movie a whole lot more than I thought I would. I, I did Yay! not expect to, especially for the first half of the movie where she was just insufferable. I was like, this is like... I'm only halfway in and I already want to slap her just constantly. But then I. <laughs> yeah, but so does Doug. Yeah, but then we yeah. hit a point where I kind of forgot that I wanted to slap her, which I guess is what they were going for. I think it helps that everyone else agrees that she is extremely difficult to an unreasonable degree, but that this is the hand. This is this is these are the cards we've been dealt. So that's just the way it is. And then we have the exchange of gifts and uh, she takes it. Mm-hmm. That's I- Bobby Hull's jersey. Yeah. This is game sweater. Uh, let's see. Who have we not talked about? Oh, our director. It is Paul Michael Glazer, who most people would know as Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. Starsky and Hutch is not the one with the dog. That was Turner and Hooch. <laughs> okay. Starsky and Hutch was the 70s cop show. Basically, white guy with a fro. Yeah. I'm br- I, I, I honestly, you could probably have a gun to my head right now, and I would not be able to 
<laughs> point to a picture and be like, that one. He is he's a big deal in the seventies. He's been on a ton of TV. But then became a, a decent director producer guy. Yeah, he's he's directed a ton of TV. He's still alive. Yeah, I think I recognize his name from behind the camera. Uh, he did the running man. So I mean he's done some profile some higher profile movies, but he's primarily done TV. Okay. Kazam. He did Kazam. He directed Kazam. Really? I mean, he shouldn't be proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> but he did it. That's a fact. I mean, as a director, he did fine. Like, this is a very competently made yeah. movie. He marshaled resources. And that's very important. This movie required everybody to pitch in on their end, and you just needed somebody to competently manage what was going on. And I think mm-hmm. he accomplished that. Literally, the only weak links I think of are Hale, the boyfriend. Yeah. And Spindler, the ex-partner. Because they're just obnoxious. They're not written to give any layer or nuance to him. They're so 80s per- villains, yeah, so that's fine. Yeah, are lame. Yeah, Hale was like your classic throwaway boyfriend. Like, he w- he was the- he was there to tell her that she was in love with Doug. She clearly is in love, yeah. Yeah, and he gets this weird, he gets this weird honest turn. Yeah, all of where a he's like, where it's, it's like, all- this guy's yucky. Why would he ever say this? He's kind of a turd in this movie. And I cannot see why him and Kate are together. I just don't see it at money. all. Well, m- money. Well, money and proximity. Yeah. Sure. I mean, he was probably the only boy she knew who was not one of her figure skating partners. Fair. Because she works for daddy. Yeah. True. Or he, he works, works for daddy. And let's be honest, she works, she works for- Daddy works for Well, girls. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she has her own ice skating rink. He works for her. <laughs> Speaking of daddy. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about him. Terry O'Quinn. Yep. The little pencil thin mustache and still some dark hair on his dark head. Dark hair that is dark. <laughs> I do I recognize him? Have yes. you watched Lost? No. Is he the guy uh, who was on Lost and is now on Castle Rock? Okay. Yes. John Locke from Lost. Okay. Yes. I watched a handful of episodes of Lost, but not enough to recognize basically anybody except like Matthew, what's his name? Fox? Fox. Fox. Yeah. Fox. Uh, yeah, but Terry O'Quinn, uh, he's on Jag, alias Lost. He's on Castle Rock now. Amazing character actor. And he's Daddy Moneybags. It's really all I, he is. Yeah, I feel like he was kind of wasted in this. He's a little hit or miss. There are times where he's really, really good. I love the scene with him and Doug in the beginning. Yes, that was very good. Because he thought he had Doug's number. Oh, this didn't work out. Here's, your, I'll pay you for your troubles. Bye. And Doug's like, okay, you guys have a shit ton of money. I can deal with this girl. Like, y'all just have to stop letting her run the show. Right. That's really what it all came down to. And I I liked that scene. I did too. I thought it was a very good scene. I, I could have I I could have had some more of that. The fault the fault of that character is not Terry O'Quinn. It's the writing. Yeah. He's he... he's not he's not well written and fleshed out enough mm-hmm. to be believable in every scene. There are some scenes where it works really mm-hmm. well, and then sometimes where he's just the Stooge father standard trope for her to bounce off of, and it just doesn't work. So yeah, like yeah, I I I was really bothered by him in the scene after the competition where they're all yelling at him with the button. Why didn't you do it? It's just a damn button. You should just and it's just like why are y'all involved in this conversation at all? Money. I know, I know it's all money. money. <laughs> but it just was so bizarre that he was there and like he 
he pulls the chair out for his daughter like she's some feeble thing. But see, that's actually something I like about this movie mm-hmm. and makes it more grounded and believable to me. Mm-hmm. Look, she is Miss Rich Snooty Pants. She is. And that money has to come from somewhere. And so if he's going to spend his money on it, being the type of guy he is, he's going I- to be directly involved in a lot of it. I, I actually thought that was more believable than some of the some of the other times when he's just sort of the stoic detached father i think the more involved he gets the more believable he is i can see that because he's bankrolling this whole thing so it better pay off no i i understand like because i understand you know he's constantly i want to return on my investment until finally she shoves it back in his face and he he finally has to come to reckon is like what do you want it's just it was muddy it was muddy and i didn't like it that's fine and and like I say, I think that's just that's because he's not written well in every scene he's in. It's that's that's a writing, or maybe there's a scene missing. I don't know, but yeah, I just uh, I don't like that part. We need a director's cut. Except yes, I think please. this was the director's <laughs> cut. Probably. I uh, I don't I don't think this movie has any like deep cuts that we're not aware of. The director's cut is just more training montages. I'm okay with that. Those are fun. There are, however, like three sequels. There are. There was one direct-to-video and two TV movies. Really? Uh, ni- yeah, neither D.B. Sweeney or Moira Kelly are in them because they made a pact when they made this film that they would not appear in any sequels if the other one wasn't also in it. Interesting. And they, they've stood by that. But what we need huh? are like a Phil Lord and Chris Knight redo with Moira Kelly and D.B. Sweeney as the coaches. They should be the coaches. That would be cool. I'd be okay with that. Uh, that would be fun. I would. I wouldn't be surprised if this gets remade at some point. It would be awesome. Oh, it will. And then throw them in as cameos or as the coaches of those two, mm. and it would be really awesome to watch. Oh, I would enjoy that. I would. I would go to the theater for that. I. I, I don't think I have any other thoughts on this movie. No, my only other real thing was that they went out to get her drunk for the first time and started with tequila shots. Like, ease her in a little bit, my dude. I mean, you don't start with tequila shots. Also, he's from Minnesota. What the hell is he doing with tequila? Like, I would think I would think he would go for some other type of liquor. I was I would have thought that they would have gone. He would have just gone straight for beer. But I mean, or or at least like a like a Jaeger. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie, though. Like, if you want to get drunk, don't. Also, yeah, start with start with a crazy tequila. Don't don't dunk that beer because then you're just gonna fall yeah, asleep. Yeah, no, I'm just. She yeah. wanted to get. I wasted. know. I'm just kind of surprised that he went straight for tequila. I mean, like tequilas that like do some kind of like a lemon drop shot or something like a a, a little bit. Ever had alcohol? Ease her in a little bit. Don't start her out with tequila. Okay, but I th- the look on his face. I think he tried to get her to do that, and she went, uh, uh-uh. uh. Because she's super competitive. Oh, I know. I know. She probably went, what do you drink? What do you drink when you want to party? And so that's why the scene we see with him is like, are you sure you want to do that's this? That's true. That's true. Because he's like, I don't, I, I'm not going to make you go here. And she, and sh- she's just like, I'm going to throw it back in your face. I can do anything you can do better. Yeah. Except apparently hold her tequila because he didn't seem to be even the tiniest bit drunk. He was stone cold sober, and she was blitzed out of her gourd. Well, he was a college that hockey player. That is true. Player. That is true. And high school hockey. All right. Well, it, we gotta we gotta rate this movie. So and since it's your movie, you pick the rating style. And I have to go first. Um, uh-huh. uh, the, we're gonna do this out of uh, how many 
Pomchenkos or Pamchenkos, the the special move that we never fully see. <laughs> Diana, you go first. I'm gonna go with three Pomchenkos. Okay. Uh, it's super fun. I love it. I'm gonna watch it again. I almost watched it again today <laughs> while I was at work. But why not more? It's not a perfect movie. You're so harsh with the Pomchenko. I know, but the pom- like those. Figure skater judges who don't want to give them good scores. They lose a point because I don't get to see the full Pomchenko. (laughs) That loses them a point. And uh, I don't like Hale. He's a turd. So it's a three. I feel very good about my solid three. I'm comfortable with it. I'm going to go with it. Okay. I'll go next. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Wow. I'm surprised. Rarely does a dumb, dumb movie like this suck me in that well. I know. I'm so excited. I've got to edge it up just a little higher than you because it did. It got me. I'm a sucker for hockey in and of itself, but everything about it's enjoyable. It's far more believable than most romantic comedies, you know, that I've seen in a long time. Like you really have to get past some eye rolls to buy into some of that stuff. And usually it's predicated on one really emotional swell scene right near the end but this movie the whole way through tries to keep you engaged in the story and there's a lot of ups and downs for those characters too i i think it does stand a little bit higher than a lot of those movies which is and it's really interesting that it does that especially because it's not a big budget movie it doesn't have giant stars and it's kind of an under the radar movie in a lot of ways like, I think a lot of people know about it, but in a lot of ways, it's a cult classic. I don't think a lot of people remember this as a marquee movie yeah. from no. the 90s. No. And so because of that, there's an underdog thing that you root for, too. So all in all, three and a half. Hmm. One I would love to watch again. Oh, I'm going to hold you to that one. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with Diana on this one. I'm going to give it three Pimchenkos for, I mean, it just the the issues that I had with it. I feel very strongly about, but overall, it was a good, solid movie. I would watch it again. I would recommend it, but it's not one that I would be likely to be like, you know what I'm in the mood to watch? The Cutting Edge. <laughs> like, if I'm looking at my shelf of DVDs of movies that are about on par in terms of quality and storytelling, I'm going to go for The Labyrinth or The Newsies. I'm not going to go for The Cutting Edge. So, yeah. Solid three, which is honestly a very good rating from me. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. I mean, we do. I can be very stingy with my stars. Very stingy. All right, Erin, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, you can find me all sorts of places on the Internet. You can find me at my podcast, Unabashedly Obsessed. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Individually, I can be found on Twitter I just did my outro for Unabashedly Obsessed there. <laughs> Individu- individually. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Unabashedly Aaron. And you can also find me on Kids on Bikes. Yeah. Hitting stuff with a hockey stick. Find us cousins. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no cousins. Oh, oh no, no cousins. cousins. Yeah. So come hang out with us there, people. If you like this conversation, you can listen to us, I don't know, uh, beat people with field hockey sticks and drive around on bikes with accents with accents uh-huh and your co-host james is on that as well as my nemesis uh-huh. and then we have some other amazing friends on there as well who were just delightful dan and kate and it's brand new so you're getting in on the ground floor if you start listening now so yes. get in before you have a huge backlog of episodes to listen to we're having too much fun over there all right until next time <laughs> bye everybody bye everybody
Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. already had an argument about Anne of Green Gables. Do you really want to have a fight about Greece? Oh, David, don't tell me you're not on board with Anne of Green Gables. He's never seen it, and he doesn't think it matters. Oh, the one with Megan Follows and Jonathan Crombie? Yes! And Richard Farnsworth? one of the best movies ever? Movies? There are several, and they're all amazing. But, I mean, yes, they are. I have all three of them on DVD. The first one is far and away my favorite. I do. I do love the first one. But, yeah, no, it's so good. But even, like, Anne of Avonlea is It is. Honestly, the third one is the only one that I don't watch very often. No, because... It was just... It was I, yeah. You just don't care as much. Well, you hardly you hardly watch some Indiana Jones for crying out loud. You hardly get any I watched Indiana Jones, too. It's way better. I, I, beg I was to never into Gilbert. <laughs> I liked Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford is hot, but this is Anne of Green Gables. Uh huh. It's amazing. Uh-huh. So good. Uh huh. I, I told it. you. I told you. <laughs>